Warning, this podcast contains rude, crude, and prude language, which might burn your ears if you listen to it for too long. Listener discretion is advised. And of course, to to Jay Bush for inviting me onto the A team <laughs> and uh, popping my podcast cherry. So thank you very much. That's just one more I, notch on I my appreciate bed being gentle. Welcome to the A team podcast, brought to you by ManorDeprived.com and SixtyCards.com. Check us out. In 2010, a crack magic playing unit was sent to prison by the DCI court for mines they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a federal pound-me-in-the-ass prison to the Canadian underground. Today, still wanted by Wizards of the Coast, they survive as podcasters of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can listen to The A-Team. Everybody was metagaming against each other because we saw each other's decks. Jay Boosh. I'm not going to ask a homeless guy for a deck idea, okay? I'm going to give that guy some change and, you know, probably half my sandwich. Smitty. Just completely edit out Jay Boosh like that of the whole thing. Scotty. But what is it with people that live in French countries that like blue-white control? Are you guys just like, you have that big of a chip on your shoulder? Like, what is it? And now, the AT. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 40, 40. of E-Team Podcast. Wow, 40 episodes, this is your host KYT, joined by your co-host Jesse J, and um, we're afraid that Scott cannot be here for this episode, obviously uh, his wife just gave birth, and he's out there trying to get his hands on those commander decks, so... He's struggling get him for, getting them for MSRP, though. <laughs> yeah, so... So we're going to wing it with us three, but Jay brought a friend along this time. Jay, would you like to introduce our guest tonight? Sure. Uh, I'll let him do his own introduction, but we've uh, invited on uh, from his Twitter fame and his online store, The Sundry, Don Wiggins. Hey, hello. <laughs> Pleased to be here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and plug your store if you want. Oh, sure thing. Um Don Wiggins or The Sundry on Twitter. Uh, I've been selling magic singles online for years and years and years. Uh, I have a site, donsmagicandsundry.com, and I'll ship anywhere in the world. And uh, I have a lot of fun following around uh, all sorts of people on Twitter and keeping track of the, the the MTG Twitter community there. They're uh, an amazing group, really. So, Don, this is strictly an online store? Yes. I don't have a brick-and-mortar presence. Um, I'm, I recently started uh, running some WPN events with a couple of brick-and-mortar stores of their own, but they don't deal in singles so that we don't compete with each other. Oh, wow, Interesting. So actually, before we get into uh, the nitty-gritty of our episode 39, which had 93 comments, oh, thanks, yeah, everyone. I, I, you all are fucking bitches for not getting to 100. <laughs> Probably the most comments of any podcast episode I've seen, and yeah. uh, hard-pressed for 
for us to ever top this, I think. It even beat Medina giving away a free Bane Slayer when Bane Slayer was the <laughs> be-all, end-all at $50. <laughs> Four cases time, I think it was. Or at least it was uh, when Bane Slayer was 50 bucks. Yeah, it was pretty expensive, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Uh, my curious question, Don, was, uh, I don't know if we want to talk about our old episode or ask you this question now, is, uh, how you, you got into, uh, um, this online store. I assume you have another job going on and this is just for, for, um, cause I, I have talked to the guy who runs MTG Island who, who also has this online store and that's all he has for now. So is this, is, <laughs> yeah, well, I've, Sorry, I think there's a bit of a delay going on. I feel like I'm the uh, correspondent over in Tehran trying yeah, to report yeah. back. Where are there, you, um, dog? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the hell's going on with that. Right, anyway, so um, all right, let me give you a, a, my my brief magic bio. Uh, I started in magic back at literally the end of Arabian Nights when some friends drove up and bought out the last packs in a store. And picked me up a starter deck and a couple booster packs of Unlimited while they're at it, and gave those to me and said, "Here, you gotta uh, open these up and play this game with us." And uh, I ripped open um, Mox Ruby and a Sunglasses of Urza and a Sarah Angel in that first starter deck, and my love of red white was born at that point and never really completely gone away. Um, played with them for a good couple of years until they mostly dropped out after Ice Age. Um, but I have a collector mentality, so I really kept into it, um, reading, uh, buying boxes as they came out and, and trying to get the complete sets. And that went up through visions when I realized it was kind of crazy to be spending this much money buying boxes of packs that I didn't have anybody to play with. So I started selling my collection off on, um, a news group at the time. So this would have been the late 90s, I guess. And uh, that's where I started. And then I I expanded into an eBay store from there and started selling my cards there. And then um, a couple of changes, including eBay limiting store sellers from not being able to sell anything under a dollar. So I couldn't sell, you know, my typical commons or whatever for 20 cents anymore on eBay. So I opened up my own online store instead and somewhere in there i started buying people's collections as well to include stock and now it's just become a full business as um on its own i'm a part-time chemistry teacher and mostly full-time stay-at-home homeschooling father otherwise so the uh the magic stuff is mostly sideline hobby kind of thing although i've been making a lot of uh, strides in improving the business lately and uh, <laughs> toy with the idea of giving up the teaching and just doing this and uh, instead but we'll see if i can manage that right. oh. i think that sums it up there we go <laughs> i thought you were going to say uh, i've just been making a lot of money <laughs> um uh, well Last last year when I did my taxes, uh, the the store <laughs> income was darn close to what I was pulling in from my community college part time gigs. So Whoa. that was pretty surprising, actually. When I so is there any interest at all to start a brick and mortar store of your own someday, someday in the long future? It's one of those things that I toy with the idea every now and then, but I realize that 
a magic only brick and mortar store would never survive. It would have to be at the very least other gaming things and I have absolutely no interest in Pokemon and Yu Gi Oh and anything like that. So So, um, so I'd have a hard time uh doing that. Can we expand on why you feel that it wouldn't survive if it was magic only? Mostly just because I think, at least in, in the area where I am, there's not enough of a business and an interest to drive people, uh, to bring the people in, so. I see. And so, that's, a, that's an interesting point because you, you don't have an interest in doing a brick and mortar store, yet you, you have almost all of the tools at your disposal to have one, right? You sell the singles, you have a partnership with another store that doesn't sell singles but sells the other product, and then you also recently tried to get into the WPN or were successful to get to the WPN? Yeah, the, I could pursue it if I wanted to. The biggest problems uh, that I would be having are, um, first of all, that would sort of tie me down into being into, in, into one place all the time. So I couldn't um, stay home and do the homeschooling that I do, that kind of thing. And also, I'd have suddenly a whole lot of additional overhead costs to deal with um, the rent and what have you there. So I'd have a, a much harder time of it than right. running out of my basement allows for me. And do you feel that your prices and your like that you have uh, that you're able to charge right now at uh, Don dot com would have to be inflated a little bit to cover those overhead costs? I don't think so. Not necessarily. No. Um, I think I would probably use the same pricing system that I do now, which is to to hop online and look for a bunch of comps and then try to uh, price myself somewhere in the middle. I think I'd probably still price things the same way I do now. Okay. Uh, so, guys, did you want to start talking about the last episode then? Like, do you want to ask Don some of those kind of questions? Like, do we want to jump into that now? Yeah, yeah. I Go think. For that, it, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'm gonna. I'll just like <laughs> do my transition sound here, and then I'll and then I'll <laughs> ask you some questions or whatever. But I need some help from you guys because like my mind's just drawing a total blank here. Because I've been talking about this for like four days and I just totally, you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to start it off here in just a sec, okay? So just, uh, I'll count down from three and then I'll go. So Don, what do you think about, like you, you listened to the last episode. <laughs> we invited you on this episode to kind yes. of get a perspective from a store owner and you, you're kind of, uh, the best of both worlds because you're an online store owner but you are a small business as well. So, um, just what are your, what are your thoughts on the last episode? I know that it got kind of heated and charged and so definitely we, you know, we want to try to make sure that we kind of can get as clear a point of view as possible. So, from your point of view, what do you think of the, of the topics that were discussed? Well, I think there are a lot of valid points made, um, especially that if the uh, – uh, let's see, I, I put my words in the right order here. If a store owner wants to maintain good customer relations, make sure people are coming back, then it behooves them to at least consider uh, an offer – uh, especially in a situation where if you can bring it into the store owner and say, look, I can go get this card at this price online. You know, why should I have to pay 
a good 50% more here, uh, it, it doesn't make any sense. So I, I can understand completely where uh, that point was coming from. And I think a lot of times it's just laziness. Um, I've had people come to me before and email me and say, I think this price on this card is too high. Could you take a look at it? Um, most of the time it's because I've been lazy in my pricing and I missed a, a, a drop in a price somewhere. And I'll go in and fix it, and then uh, usually they'll come back and, and buy it afterwards. So there I've made a sale that I wouldn't have made otherwise. So it's always worth asking, in my opinion. The worst thing that a uh, store owner can say is, no, I, I think it's a, the price is good where it is. But um, sure. So that was the one main thing that I had coming out of it. As I, I think uh, it is kind of foolish for the store owner to just out of hand reject um, the idea without at least giving it some, some consideration and looking at prices around. And I don't think, like, <clears throat> I didn't get a chance to listen to the full cast last week, but I believe that um, Scotty's point of view was definitely a, a charge. And if a store no owner wants to sell stuff for more and won't <clears throat> give someone a deal on the deal they want, I mean, that's obvious and fine, right? I don't think there's a problem with that if they just want to say no. You can go buy it from there. That's fine. I can't sell it that low. So, I mean, from that point of view, uh, I can see it from the store owner's point. But, I mean, there, there's definitely stores out there that just overcharge and alienate and just run a bad business that won't last long. Yeah, and there's all sorts of extenuating circumstances also. You don't know how much they paid for the card. It could be that, you know, they just got it in and they they gave somebody a buy price based on their thinking that I, they would sell it for X dollars. So if they bought it from somebody for 50 bucks, and so they've got it listed at 75, just making this up, and you come in and offer them 50, then there's really no incentive that, for them to sell it to you for what they just paid for it. So, so it, I could see a circumstance like that coming up. And, you, know, you don't always know exactly what's going on behind. Right. So in in that regard there, Don, so how how often does that happen when you're a store owner where you uh you know, you purchase a card and then and then it, it ends up dropping immediately or going up immediately and, and like how do you deal with that as a store owner? Like so let's say let's say today you buy a splinter twin for ten bucks, hoping to sell them for let's say fourteen. Like I I'm just making these prices up here. And uh and then you know, it turns out that tomorrow Star City and and Channel Fireball put them down to eight. So you've you know just paid two dollars more for a card that you're going to sell. So you're actually not going to make any money. You're not even going to break even. Like, how long do you hang on to that price and hope that you can move it? Or like like how does that process work? Because I don't or I have no idea. Like, how long do you kind of deal with that, or do you kind of just take the hit and then move on? Well, my official buying policy is to pay 50% of what I would list it in the store um, for cash or 60% for store credit. So if I was thinking potentially to sell it at 14 I wouldn't have paid more than $7 for it probably, um, unless it's something really hot, uh, well over $50, then you got to go up higher or you're not going to be able to compete with Star City's buy prices. Um but in a situation like that, I would just take the hit 
Um, and right at the moment, I'm looking at the potential of buying some Stoneforge Mystics from somebody. And come Monday, if it gets the ban hammer, then <laughs> that's probably not going to have turned out to be a very good investment on my part. You know, this so is, there's just is, in when that happens, you just you just suck it up. So this is a very very bad time to be buying Stoneforge Mystic. That that bitch is getting banned. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll see. I mean, the, the the one in particular is like a like a Spanish foil. So there's got some some attraction there to it for for other purposes. I'm not uh, looking at buying a whole pile of them or anything, but I mean it's still going to be played in other formats, even if it gets banned in standard. So if you can get them like for a very cheap price, you know, you the hit the hit will probably not be that bad. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I mean it's it's becoming a legacy staple even so. Yeah, even if bans from standard, she's going to be around for a while. So I, I don't think it's going to be uh, in the fifty cent bin or anything anytime soon. <laughs> so then, how do you feel, Don, about um, about like like? I mean, I'm assuming since you've had your store for so long, um, you know, you you don't really buy cards at brick and mortar stores anymore. So I don't know how relevant this question is and if you can't answer it feel free not to but how do you feel about um brick and mortar stores that that can't afford to have their their cards at lower prices like how do you um like what what do you do differently that you can you know you can have your prices lower than star city or the same and that you feel that they can't like where's that parity there because they also have more products and etc than you right it's a different kind of monster so yeah um i don't i don't think I can understand the argument that you quote unquote can't afford to sell it at a lower price. Um, and the bulk of my stock, especially for a new set anyway, comes from when the set is released, I buy two cases of it and I rip them open and I sell the cards that I got from that. So if you look at it that way, then I paid what, pennies per card or something? And so if I can sell it for $25, and that's a pretty substantial profit on those couple of pennies that I invested in the card. Um, I also turn around and sell complete common sets and complete uncommon sets through my eBay store, and those move fairly well. And I I probably about break even on those guys, but at least I'm getting cards out of the house, which makes my wife happy. And... <laughs> So I don't know the whole the whole idea of not being able to afford quote unquote I just don't don't buy it um, again unless it's a situation where they bought it for a certain price and and they feel like unless they can make something on it then it's not worth it to sell but uh, sometimes it's worth the investment in in good customer relations to go ahead and do that so Don in that case then what do you feel is um what what do you feel needs to be done currently to kind of balance that situation out? So, I mean, it's clear that some people feel that, you know, brick-and-mortar stores are uh, kind of being selfish and, and not having the customer service-focused point of view. And then it's and then some people are feeling that, you know, the people that, that are, are calling for that are just being whiny and, and are just bitching about it. So... Like, how do you feel this can be rectified? Like, what, as a store owner, do you feel should both parties be, like, considering before they just dismiss the other stuff? Well, I don't know. A lot of it boils down to just uh, decent human relations. 
And I don't know that there's always going to be uh, a way to, to change how people behave to each other sometimes. I mean, some of the same people that would whine and complain if I have a price that's too high are going to be the same people who would turn around and snatch up every single copy of a card I had in stock if my price was too low on it. And they wouldn't see the, the fact that those are really just two sides of the same coin, and they wouldn't feel the slightest bit of guilt about that. Right. And that's the other side of things that, that people – and so I – that's something that I actually wrote a whole uh, blog entry on on that issue. And that can be found back. where? Uh, it is on my blog, which is donsmagicandsundry.com. Oh, sorry, donsmagicandsundry.blogspot.com. Um, and uh, the I'll have to get the exact URL for that particular one and let yeah, you we have can it. Yeah, we can put it up in the whatever, show notes. But, yeah. but that one, the title of the of that particular one was the case against speculation of any volume. Um, a little slight jab there on someone famous. But uh, <laughs> what I would like to do is, and this this is a horrible thing that I feel. Sometimes I feel like I'm just I'm far too naive in all of this. I just think people should treat each other better. Is what it simply boils down to. And you know, the if you even if you stumble into a store and you see they've got the price down low, you know, buy yourself the playset that you need and then let them know. You know, by the way, you might want to check the price on before somebody. You know, you don't go in there and go, "Oh, cool, I can get 80 Stoneforge Mystics for a dollar." You know, it just that's wrong. You know, to treat somebody like that. And I think the uh, the online aspect of things makes it somehow easier for them to do that because they don't, you know. I, I'm this complete unknown to anybody who comes shipping to my store. It's not like there's a face behind the counter that they can see and maybe feel the slightest twinge of guilt. All I have to do is click something and go through PayPal, and that's the last. <laughs> so, I just imagine Don checking his PayPal. No! <laughs> oh, you have no idea how many times that has happened. I, I have... I have learned my lesson. I need to stay up to midnight on the night before a band lit goes up because um, what was the last one? When Time Spiral came off in the last one, thank God I only had one copy of it. That's all I can say. Oh. But uh, I've, had, I've had several mornings where I've woken up to an email where every card that was in stock of, of a certain thing has been, has been purchased because of something that happened. Um, uh, what was it when the... When the, yeah, when the first Eldrazi was spoiled, uh, that one time, that fabulous, uh, arc, or the, uh, the daily MTG Arcana, where they, they revealed what the first Eldrazi was, and then was it the Eldrazi Temple that, uh, I think it was, it was in World Wake, and nobody had any clue what that card was gonna be good for. And oh, I have Ugin, I think. I think it was yeah, the well, I have Sorry, yeah, sorry, I have yeah, Ugin. it was the I have Ugin. Yeah, I had like eight of those up, and they were going like a dollar. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm like, why the hell did somebody buy all these? And I go to the daily MVG. Oh, there. Okay, now I know. So then, gone. <laughs> so, so then, in that case too, like on the other side of that coin, like, so, like, as a dealer, it's a very kind of tough job as a store owner to have to like always stay up and make sure that you aren't missing the boat, so that you know you're not missing out on 
that opportunity. But then at the same time, for people that are, uh, you know, make a lot of money off of trading and wheeling and dealing and doing that sort of thing, like they also are trying to stay up for the opposite reason of trying to scoop up those cards. So in the case of say I of Ugin, like would you have would you have increased your price based on speculation or would you kind of follow a suit of like another online store? I wouldn't have bumped it up myself completely in a vacuum simply because I am absolutely horrid at trying to read the market and predict exactly where things are going to go. Uh, so I probably would have done some price checking around other online stores. And like I say, I usually try to price myself sort of in the middle of the pack on that regard. So if a whole bunch of other um, prices, uh, a whole bunch of other stores had bumped up their price, then I, I would follow suit and stay in the same uh, in the same middle ground, but right. um, it is tough, and it that that is without a doubt the most difficult <laughs> part of my job is keeping track of prices and making sure that's right. And it's the it's my least favorite part too, um, because I always feel like if I'm bumping up the price, I kind of feel like I'm, I'm being somehow dirty. I don't know. Right. Not, you know, it's like, ah, you could have bought it yesterday, but no, you didn't. Now you got to pay this price. <laughs> ah. yeah, it's just kind of kind of makes me feel lousy. But uh, so, but so that, then that is that's a pain. So how do you feel about like pre-order speculation in that case? Oh my God, pre-orders I think are are the spawn of Satan. I, I I have refused, patently refused to ever do pre-orders, and I don't think I'll ever change that, even if I, I become an even much bigger business. I just think it's it's absolutely absurd. At the moment, it's a it's a mostly purely practical reason, and that's that I can't guarantee that in my two cases worth of product, I'm going to open you know four copies of a certain mythic or something, and I don't want to pre-sell a playset that I can't then deliver. You know, I'm not like Star City opening thousands of boxes and therefore guaranteed to to get these cards. So that's the major reason. But the other reason, I just think it's it's absolutely absurd to just make up a price on a card that has never seen a minute of play beyond the uh, Future Future League or whatever back at uh, WotC headquarters. So what do you guys think of that, KYT and Jesse? Like, what was the last card we even saw that was pre-sold at a high price and even was close to worth its value? Uh, like Koth, maybe? Uh, Jace? <laughs> well, I think Jace, yeah, Jace is probably the only one, but even then it was pre-selling at like $20 or whatever, right? Right. Yeah, I can't think of one off the top of my head. Because, I mean, yeah. like, I bought my Vincers, I think, at 35 thinking I was getting a good deal when they were, oh. like, after being pre-sold at like 50 and 60 and it was just like what a bunch of fucking bullshit and then like I traded them anyway cuz like I've never used them same with Koth, right. same with same with Karn same with fucking like the only card I can think of is the swords right and like that uh, yeah, and batter skull maybe right? maybe yeah i don't know though pretty much everything drops and, it, yeah. and it's like so it's so crazy because they're going to they still do pre-sales. Like who are these people that are buying these cards? Even like I've only been playing Magic for like a year or two and like even I've learned that you don't buy any cards pre-sale on Star City Games. Every year though, I mean every time a set comes out I'm like, "Ooh, I should just whip that credit card out. Ooh, I should just buy these before they go up anymore." <laughs> and I and I like have to like it's all that I can handle to not buy them. 
And I've never regretted not buying them because two weeks or a month after the set comes out, that card is worth nothing. And like my local store has twelve vendors sitting around. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I see. I see the. Pre- I see the pre-sales as almost like playing the lottery, and everyone's afraid that they're going to miss the next Jace. And sometime yeah. in the next year or two, there's going to be another card that pre-sells for thirty and ends up going for a hundred. Yep. And everyone that bought them early is going to say, see, we were right to do this. And they're going to ignore the several dozen cards that they got burned on in the intervening two years where they actually lost any money that they may have made up for in this one. You know, it's it's like the person who wins a $10 lottery after spending 100 bucks buying tickets. You know, it's like, ooh, I won $10. And it's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, Don, so... You're not one of those online dealers. I think there are many of them that um, if you buy a ton of a card oh, good that, question. that uh, is like they're low on st- stock or whatever that they don't want to get screwed on, and then they, they always come up with some kind of excuse. Like, um, you know, one store I dealt with said that, you know, they're a new store and they somehow screwed up the system that they were putting – up on the website, cards that they had in stock they didn't that they didn't actually have. So they're like, you know, we can't ship you these. It was my my mistake. Blah blah blah. And then you know, other other stores have made excuses as to why they can't ship you cards that you have ordered. So I guess your your take is different on that. Yeah, I think that falls into the same kind of human decency thing I was talking about before. There's there's things on both sides, um, both the store owner and, and the customer. I have always said that I will honor any sale it goes through unless I honestly cannot do so. I had somebody buy, um, just earlier this week, they had a, a rather huge order that included uh, four Dryad Arbors. And when I went to go pull it, I found out I only had two. I have no idea how that makes a mistake in the inventory got made. Usually if I've got an inventory mistake, it's like one card uh, worth that I had. And it's usually not an issue until somebody buys out the last of something, and that's when I find out that I actually only had X instead of X plus one. Um, But unless that happens, I'll honor it. Um, I may bitch and moan about it and, in fact, have publicly <laughs> on Twitter and in my blog, uh, you know, but, but I will ship those cards um, because that's, that's what I agreed to do. And as far as I'm concerned, I, I, I'm going to you know, hold up to my end of the agreement, especially since the customer held up to theirs. They said, I will send you this much money, and they did so. Then uh, I am beholden – here's another good one for you – I am beholden to, uh, to reciprocate. And send back. So. Okay. so it behooves you to do this. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Nice, nice. I don't mean for my vocabulary to sound so erudite. It just happens. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it just happens. It's like we have the magic Stephen Hawking's on. <laughs> so, so what do you like? How do you feel? And like KYT kind of is always one to skirt the controversial issues until they're brought up, but. In in that line of thinking, what do you think of the stores that when like instead of doing what you do, which is to stay up late and realize when uh low priced cards become hot and reprice them, what they do is they just cancel all the orders for them, give you a shitty excuse, raise the price, 
and then put the stock back in. Yeah, I, I think that's a horrible, dirty way of doing business. And I'm glad that there are some places out there, that uh, some websites that are trying to sort of put together a list of these so that customers can avoid them and not go to them. And maybe those stores will see the error of their ways if their business starts plummeting as a result of the negative uh, publicity feed, uh, backlash. But, I mean, if it's, if it's really going to be that much of a trouble for these stores, then they can shut the store down at about five minutes till midnight on the the night before a banning uh, release comes out. So, like, um, was it on the 20th is the next list coming out, right? So, yeah. you know, 11.55 on the 19th, shut your store down for a couple minutes until the announcement comes out, see what happens, you know, reprice accordingly, and then bring your store back up, and then you don't have to worry about it, um, which is... I don't know that I'm going to shut down, but I'm planning on on being there. So um, you think it's it's just but like it's, laziness and jackassery or what? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Kelly Reed once said, "Anybody that that has to deal with this is lazy and stupid." I think is how he put it, which uh, applied to me at the time, and so I took the hit uh, accordingly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it just it's it's impossible in today's day and age to keep anything secret for long and and word gets out you know at light speed anymore um if you're if you're a member of the quiet speculation uh inner cadre then they send you out emails when there's uh, some hot tech at a GP or whatever, and they'll say, you know, you might want to buy these up real quick. They're being used against this deck. And I have to keep track. I have to be a member of that myself so that when that email comes out, I can jump on and check my price and see if it's a, a decent one or not. And there have been a couple of times where I've actually, while I'm in the process of changing the price, someone is buying cards from my store <laughs> because they got that email too, you know? So it's, that's um, gotta be, it's that's gotta crazy. be probably the worst thing about us making you so popular on Twitter and on our podcast constantly <laughs> plugging is that people actually come to buy cards from you now. Yeah. yeah, it's terrible. I wish people would stop doing that. It's horrible. <laughs> Do not jump at my store. Just make them work for me. And what was your store called again? It was Star City Games, I think? Yes, exactly. <laughs> right on. That's fantastic. So I think I think the key then seems to be just that basic human decency needs to be on both sides of that coin. And yeah. uh, and especially from a store owner's point of view, it's it's just enlightening to hear some of your uh, opinions on some of the other like other practices that other stores are pulling off. So thanks for for, you know, enlightening us. And I you hear bet. that I hear <laughs> that you've had some uh some challenges with the uh trying to start local events. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? All right. Yeah, it actually it's been um it's been a crazy, hectic, busy time for me for the last couple of months because I've had all sorts of things uh, going on, not not just the uh, the pricing wars that I have to keep up with. But um, one of my biggest projects was I was regretting not being able to attend more Friday Night Magic or that kind of just sort of casual stuff uh, because the closest place that ran anything like that for me was about a half-hour drive if there's no traffic, which there's always traffic, so it's always going to be more than a half hour. And um, 
I would have to wait for my wife to come home and take over uh, with the boys and then get down. And I would always be late, and I just said, you know, this is not worth it. So I said, I want to be able to have some of these more locally. So I, I realized that the only way it was going to happen is if I started doing it myself, basically. So I um, investigated going into becoming a WPN organizer and running events locally. Um, I don't want to uh, bore everybody with the entire long journey, but um, uh, conveniently enough, I have uh, documented it all uh, on encouragement from a couple of people in uh, a series of blog entries called The Road to WPN. And so I can get you the URL for the show notes for that one, too. And uh, essentially, I found a local bookstore that was just opening up. Um, they are in a building that was built in 1730. Uh, it was an yeah. original Indian trading post. And this thing has history, and you just walk into it, and you can just feel that it's pretty cool. Um, so I, I contacted this guy who you know, doesn't know me from Adam and, and has, I think, heard of Magic before but never played and uh, explained what I'd like to be able to do. And he said, sure, anything that brings people into my store is good for me, so let's give it a try. So I signed us up with the WPN and got a couple of events uh, scheduled. And then... Um, the big twist to it recently was the comic book store that I had originally wanted to run events with, but they said they couldn't do it, suddenly changed their minds and made space, and now they wanted me back again. I'm like, uh, okay, um, I'm already working with someone else, but uh, let's see if we can make this work. So now I'm coordinator or uh, uh, WPN organizer for two different sites, and we'll see this make proved to be far too much for me to handle. I don't know. Um, but my first event is on Saturday, just in, well, it'll be after the podcast is released, I guess, so by the time people are listening to this, it will have already happened. But uh, for me, it's two days in the future, and I'm both excited and nervous and scared and, I don't know, all sorts of a bundle of emotions. But... Uh, <laughs> It's uh, it's it's something new, and and I'm I'm looking forward to it. It should be a blast. Uh, for me, from a business standpoint, um, it's a nice place for hopefully a, a local um, group of uh, customers. So I'm I'm still going to be online only, but I've enacted a free shipping option for people who come to one of the events that I organize. So you can go on place an order, choose free shipping, and then come to Friday Night Magic and pick up your cards, that kind of thing. Um, when I finally can run Friday Night Magic, which is a ways in the future as it turns out. But um, that's that's the main thing. Uh, the, the other big thing that I've had added in is a whole new store category. Um, I had a customer in Texas who is very interested in different kinds of altered art cards or uh, crimped cards or miscut cards or this kind of thing, you know, anything kind of special. And he asked whether or not I ever cover, ever uh, carried altered art cards. I said, well, I've never done it before, but I wouldn't be averse to the idea if the situation arose. And um, MoxCMTG on Twitter, um, MJ Scott, tweeted to me and said, uh, we should be able to work something out. And over the intervening weeks, um, Jeremy Froggett, I hope I'm getting his last name right. I realized I've mm-hmm. never actually said his last name before. That's how I uh, he, he chimed in because we were 
Okay. He chimed in also and said, uh, here, it sounds like you're thinking is a lot like what I've been thinking of. And so he joined in. So I've got, uh, the two of them now are making, uh, altered art cards to sell exclusively through my store. They're still taking, they're each still taking commissions. Uh, but in addition to that, they're going to be making cards, uh, to go up through my store. And the first batch went up a couple weeks ago. Right now we're focusing on, Commanders and some commander staples and also legacy staples, uh, things that we think should have a, a popular broad audience as opposed to, you know, this is my favorite card right here that's normally only 10 cents. Could you please make me an altar? Because um, that kind of thing probably would sit there forever in the store and nobody would be interested except that one person who, if you never find them, you're out of luck. So they can still get those cards done uh, as commissions, but we'll hit cards that seem to have a popular audience and put them up in the store. So I've got that going on as well. Um, and that's basically keeping me for a, a, a very full plate. I've got all sorts of things going on. And a few months back, I instigated my official buy policy that I mentioned before. So I've had all sorts of people trying to sell me cards that I didn't normally, I didn't have that going before either. So um, essentially, my children are telling me I'm always far too busy and working far too much. <laughs> it's a good thing. Hopefully. Hopefully it's a good thing. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, sounds like you, you have a lot of projects t- to work on, and, and, I mean, we'll see, like, how, like, what other stuff you can come up with uh, further down the line. It seems like you got a lot of ideas. I've got all sorts of things going on, and if it builds up, then... You know, someday I may be able to uh, actually hire somebody else to help. <laughs> That's a, the the main problem right at the moment is I'm it. I'm the only one uh, in the store. I, my my sons do help sometimes with the sorting, especially when a new set comes out. Oh, sorting! They, like to help sort out. <laughs> so, they love it. Um, so the the funny part actually, the younger son is not quite reading yet, so he sorts by picture. And he sorts a lot faster than the older son because the older son keeps getting distracted by reading the cards. So he's like, oh, this is so cool. You could combine this with this. And, oh, look, how about we could do this combo. And meanwhile, oh, he's a young Smitty. Go ahead. When I went to a card store and, like, mauled over the idea of whether I would ever work there, and I saw some of my friends just sorting zillions of cards, I'm like, I'm never doing that. That's the worst. Uh, and I, I've always had a bit of a, uh, an anal retentive personality, so I can actually, um, alright, this is, this is embarrassing geek time, and it also dates me. So in, in the early 80s, I can remember having a complete collection of Superman 2 movie cards. Back oh when you would actually God. buy the cards with a little piece of stale, stale bubblegum in them, okay? I would take the complete collection, put it in a brown paper bag, shake it up, and take it out so that I could sort the cards back in order again. How sad is that? <laughs> I actually enjoy sorting sometimes. I know. It's pathetic. It's a sickness. I, yeah. I'm awesome. seeking uh, therapeutic help. <laughs> but So I do enjoy that. When I get a new uh, collection in, I actually kind of have fun sorting out the cards and seeing what's in there. Don, is there anything what, you would yeah, like to plug? Um... Sure, I, I, well, I kind of already did. The, right. the main things I'd like, the main thing I'd like to plug is the, uh, the altered art 
Um, unfortunately, by the time this goes out, we're we're having a, a special promo code this weekend. But by the time the podcast gets out, it'll be too late for anybody to use it. So um, I can't uh, get that out. But maybe the next time around, I can uh, let Jay well, know could, about it. You could give a but, special uh, uh, promo code to people that just listen to this for afterwards, if you wanted. Yeah, I could do that. You can. Uh, so. <laughs> All right. So do this. On fly, um, should there be any altered art left after this weekend? Um, we'll do the weekend of the 25th and 26th. We'll do that June 25 and 26. If if uh, customers use the checkout code 18, E-H-T-E-A-M, they can get 10% off any altered art cards that are in stock at that point in time. How's that? Nice. Awesome. There's a lovely, a lovely playset of uh, mental, mental missteps up there right now, and you can get a discount for buying the whole playset. So if you combine the combine the codes, you can get a discount on the playset and ten percent on top of that. So fucking wow. double discount. Can't double yeah. discount. <laughs> did, did you have any shout outs that you wanted well, to give? Yeah, I would like to give a shout out to um, some some folks I've already mentioned um, to Moxie MTG, MJ Scott. And uh, Jeremy Froggett, uh, my partners in crime as far as the Altered Art uh, Initiative are concerned. Uh, they are amazing artists, and I am honored to work with them. And I would also like to give a shout-out to Patrick at Novel Places, uh, the bookstore where I'm going to be hosting WPN events, and also to uh, John Shine of Beyond Comics, uh, who got me uh, set up at there. So those are the folks I'd like to uh, thank. And, of course, to to Jay Bush for inviting me onto the A-Team <laughs> and uh, popping my podcast cherry. So yeah. thank you very much. Uh, That's just one more I, notch on I my bedpost. I appreciate being gentle. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for uh, adding some thanks, perspective guys. on the store side, Don. Yeah, very yeah, much. Thanks, Don. Really appreciate it. It's good insight. Nope. And have a good night, buddy. And I'll 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 be sure to listen to the whole cast if you missed. Uh, I'll try. Take care, Sounds guys. Great. Hey, you too. Don sure. the Hoover Wiggins. <laughs> <laughs> I actually uh, really uh, enjoyed his, his uh, enthusiasm. I thought he was he felt he was legit. So yeah, me too. I like him. He's a cool guy. So on to our part. I mean, uh, I guess. What, what do you guys want? have on your plate to talk about. I mean, I want to talk about my Canadian Magic Tour weekend, of course, but uh, Jesse? Yeah, Jesse, what? What What am I talking about, player? <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, I want to talk about a lot of stuff, actually. I mean, well, we've got, what we've got, we've got uh, KYT, your, uh, your whole tournament you had, which was awesome. We've got um, a possible, well, in my opinion, guaranteed bannings in just a day. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, plenty we could talk about. There was a Pro Tour and Grand Prix. So uh, what have you been working on lately? Well, I'm kind of at the point where... Um, I am planning on helping Matthias and Matt again, probably for the next Pro Tour. Um, Matthias, congratulations to him, hit level four Pro. He's uh, booked for the next uh, six Pro Tours now, based on that. Oh, wow. So yeah, we've uh, he's he's gone a long way. Um, but I'm gonna 
wait until Monday to really test anything because I really do think there will be bannings and I don't want to mess around too much uh, because, you know, a banning of Stoneforge and or Jace and or Volokut, something like that could really change the meta. So it's kind of just a waste. Um, so I'm kind of just sitting back and relaxing and just playing some Magic on Moto with already existing decks. Um, I'm still rocking and uh, adding to my Angles deck, the green-white Agropod. Uh, Bob, our local game shop owner <laughs> of Castle Hill, came up with some cool tech for it. Um, so I'll probably post a recent list here soon. And uh, yeah, what's the, what's the tech? Well, Glimmer. Well, there's a lot more tech. Uh, Mastercore. Since the last time I posted the list, I've added uh, Molten Tail Mastercore. Been fantastic. Uh, but Glimmer Point Stag has been also awesome. At the four drop slot, it kind of bounces a germ token out of the way if you need it. Oh. It gets rid of Gideon for if you need it. Uh, there's just a lot of great interactions. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where it's at. The, it, the sideboard's getting some work. I was having problems with uh, Mirror and Crusader because all my dudes are green. There's some white, but as soon as he gets a sort of worn piece on, it's just over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I've been like trying Paralysmer and Condemn and Journey and all these other things. I got a Twitter follower who I'll give an early shout out to. Oh man, it's gonna take me a minute to find his name, but he's uh been really on the deck as well as uh Bob Narendra, who's our who is our local game shop owner. Uh really, really cool guy. He's loving the deck. Uh everyone who's playing it is saying it's fun, but it's not only fun, it really does win. <laughs> Cobble though, uh, main decking Dismember and Divine Offerings now is really making the deck a lot harder. Uh, yeah. So, but anyways, uh, Cloud Scraper on Twitter has really been into the deck and helping with it um, and really just grinding the deck out. So, yeah, just still rocking this deck, uh, playing some block, just playing Godennis' version of Mono Black. In fact, I'm really pissed I didn't figure it out because... God, that seems like such a deck I'd build. <laughs> but the deck is absolutely awesome. The uh, mirror's a little awkward, but anyways, yeah. So that's that's what I've been kind of playing and working on. Uh, I'm looking forward to testing and helping for the next Pro Tour. But And then I am planning on traveling uh, probably to a domestic Grand Prix sometime this year with Matt. I just got to figure out which one. Uh, it's really just a matter of timing. Domestic. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, it's probably a little too expensive for me to go internationally anywhere. Well, there's always Canada. <laughs> I forgot about Canada. Sorry. <laughs> um, wow, it's good that people are trying your deck and, uh, you made me laugh there where you're like, most people say it's fine. You're like, it's, it's not just fine. It's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it really is. It's a, it's a very strong deck. It, it's been just killing F&Ms. Like, if that's what you're after, you're going to win F&Ms with it. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I actually think yeah, your deck looks really good. Um, but the banning shouldn't, as far as I'm concerned, shouldn't affect you too much because, as far as I know, Pro Tour Philly is extended, right? Uh, Philly is extended, yes, I believe you're correct. And I think most people, unless they change the format again, most people will be playing Stoneforge Mystic 
at Philly, I think. That's my prediction. I, yeah. I think it's an obvious prediction, but... The uh, card's just so powerful. Um, what I'm talking about is, like, helping them test or really just brewing it also right. the site, just uh, especially if the metagame changes. I'm going to be all over that, posting new lists. Hmm. Okay, sounds good. Sounds like, um, like for last week, Jerry actually... Uh, talks ship some lists and, and I I got to talk to him a bit about uh and then he posted an article about all these lists that, that he's been working on. Yeah you, you, you know uh, what I I gotta call out Jerry really quick by the way. Uh-oh. So uh oh he would no no I love Jerry this may no. be the first cast to get to a hundred comments. No, no, no. Jerry Jerry is like one of my faves. Like I got nothing against him. This isn't a negative thing. I, it's just a funny thing. So the other the other week he was on Twitter talking about like what or in his article I think it was why would you dirtle around with a birthing pod deck and I'm like look at my deck dude it's like a it's just a green white aggro deck birthing pod made day two it's rock and he's like nah that's pretty much dirtling around and, <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes and posts a green white aggro deck in his article and says he might play it I just gotta call him out on that one <laughs> I don't I think he. He hates birthing pod, right? I guess that's. He might hate birthing pod, but uh, the the card's gonna make a gonna make a showing. Whether it's in standard, or it already has in standard to an extent, but uh, it's a very good card. There's nothing wrong with birthing pod. It's powerful. Yeah, I wish you put it as uh, one of your top three cards. That'd be cool. Instead of uh, yeah. Chas- Tangle. <laughs> I, I missed Chancellor of the Tangle. I should have put Birthing Pod. I was way against Birthing Pod at first. I just felt like it was going to be too slow, but uh, I, I missed the ball on that one. It's it's pretty powerful card. I mean, it, it is slow. It's not like just boom, 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 but you just get one solid effect out of it, and you're set. Yeah, like as a cool segue to that, I played at game day, I played against a uh, black-green Birthing Pod deck, uh, and like I don't know... like. I won, I think, in two games. It might have been three, but I feel that in the first game, like, he stumbled on, on mana, and I was able to just crush him with cross control. But yeah. then in, in the last two games, and maybe just the last one was a really long game, he was able to get his, kind of his combo going, and, um, it was actually, like, a really cool deck. I mean, he didn't have any Vengevines in it just because he couldn't afford them, so, like, obviously that's, you know, something that calls for speculation. But it was game day, and our game days are notoriously uncompetitive, especially with bad promo cards. Um, but but it was really cool, and, like, he had, like, uh, what did he have? He had Obliterators in there. He had Acidic Slime, like, as a one-of. He had, um... There's a Abyssal, million one-ofs. He had, like, yeah, he had, like, Abyssal Persecutors in there, and which was, like, an amazing fucking tech card. Like, to go from, like, I don't know, like, what's your three-drop, Jesse, in that deck? I got Mirror Crusaders and Verde okay. Corruptors. Sure, so, to, yeah, and exactly. So he goes, he goes, like, he plays, like, a two-drop, and then he turns it into a Verdian Corruptor and blows up, like, my Tumble Magnet. And then yeah. he goes and turns that into an Abyssal Persecutor and just smashes me until he needs his Persecutor gone, which then, like, Birthing Pod, as well as a bunch of other removal in his deck, allows him to get rid of. And if he needs, he can get rid of it into, like, a Slime to get rid of something. Or, mm-hmm. like, it just it's kind of a cool deck. I think the only problem that I have with it is that it's kind of like every other combo deck where, like, if you can get rid of the Birthing Pod... 
then like what can what I can see kind of happens is like you're just left with a deck that is really inconsistent. Yeah. Well, that's that's the that's the purpose of my deck. I avoided that completely. Um, it's a green white aggro deck, like that's aggressive, but the birthing pod just gives it kind of some reach and tutor abilities. Yeah, and I thought it was really cool. I actually like looked at the guy's entire deck. We like talked for like 20 minutes about. <laughs> Some like some like tech for it and everything and like I was also in my head kind of being like this is the fucking worst ever birthing pod I hate birthing like birthing pod decks are just dirtling around like I was doing the Jerry T but like the fact of the matter is that the guy put up a good fight he had a really cool deck like it, I'm not saying it was Cobblade and it was the best or whatever but it was cool and it seemed to work fine and um, I don't know like I'd like to I'd like to see if it's a viable. If it's a viable deck, I mean, Birthing Pod kind of seems like bad survival of the fittest is like the the closest comparison I could make. But that doesn't mean right. that it's bad. It just means that it's a worse version of it, right? But sure. that doesn't mean it's bad. Like it, it still can. It looks like it has potential to get off. And I really liked it with Black uh, because thing, it has Black yeah. has really powerful four drops, right? Black Black has some really powerful stuff. The thing is, like Obliterator and stuff is very very hard to cast, especially if you're just if you're in two colors like that. Um, yeah, but you got to be a good deck without it. You can't just bank your whole deck on Birthing Pod, and that's that's where I think some people are building it wrong. And, yeah, I uh, think so too. You, yeah, you see some of those black green lists, and they do well, and they got a ton of singletons and just powerful cards. But uh, they're just very built around Birthing Pod. And sure, they can make a splasher run good, but I don't think they're set up to uh, be consistent. So then, is the uh, like the way that I was kind of thinking of it? Would Birthing Pod be a better deck if it was built as if it was a version of the old Fauna Shaman decks? Where um, you, have, like, you have like the silver bullets in there, and you kind of focus on you know dumping a bunch of Venge Vines and stuff, and then playing things to get them back and stuff like that. Like I'm just trying of. to figure out the best way to abuse Birthing Pod because, like you said, I think the key is that you have to almost build your deck without it, and then add it at the end. Like keep it in mind, but you can't. It can't be your centerpiece because it's too easy to disrupt. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty spot on. I don't know. Awesome. <laughs> so I don't know what else to say about that, man. Uh. <laughs> so speaking speaking of game day, did you guys did you guys go to game day at all? Um, no, I didn't. <laughs> Sorry. I had something else to do. Did, did you play, Jay? What did you play? Yeah, I went to game day. I was going to play Cobblade. Uh, and then, yeah! <laughs> and then I couldn't yeah! do it. I just couldn't do it. So I decided to play, um, cross control. So I talked to Cody Crossman a lot and, you know, tried to focus the deck and I, I was looking for some new tech and, uh, cause I know the deck had changed since the last time I played it and, and it was really fun. I had a really good time. Uh, Cody has gone back to the version with calcite snappers in it instead of tumble magnets and a singleton slagstorm. I uh, decided to keep those cards in uh, a little bit because I don't like calcite snapper like I never really have. And um, I just felt that tumble magnet is still really good in this format. Um, so I wanted to keep those in the Slagstorm. I just actually, like, admittedly just forgot about. Uh, it didn't really come in handy very much, but I don't know if you guys saw on Twitter, but I played against a seven-year-old kid named Max, who is better than most of the players I know that are my age. And before I played Max, he played Sean Gifford, 
who is a writer for Manor Deprived, or a pseudo writer, I guess you could say, because he's pretty bad. Um, I'm just kidding, Sean. I love you, but. Um, <laughs> but, uh, he played against Max in the first round. Sean is playing Cobblade, and Sean's like one of the most ruthless, unforgiving, uh, assholes on the planet, but he'll do it with like a smile on your face, on his face, right? <laughs> So he's playing this seven-year-old kid who's playing Boros, and Sean just completely takes him for granted and gets smoked and uh, loses to this kid. And then in the second round, this kid plays the judge who's playing at our event and calls the judge on so many things, which is, like, so embarrassing. And, like, to, to Ben... To Ben's, like, defense, I'm sure that most of the mistakes that he was making were because he was tilting so hard by playing this kid. Because uh, in the third round, I had to play him, and I almost blew my brains out. Uh, it, it's like he, he like it was, he's playing Boros, first of all, so no one's accounting for Boros, right? Because everyone's kind of just written it off that it's not a viable deck anymore. So this kid's playing Boros, which no one's prepared for. And then he's seven, so he's super excited. So he's doing things like turn one goblin guy to attack you for two, and then he fucking reaches across the table and touches, like, your life dice and, like, spins them and, like, makes you take damage and things before, you're, before you've, like, even had a chance to respond to anything and stuff. And uh, Ben was getting really mad at him for that. And, uh, like, I, in game two against me, he had shuffled up, cut, drawn his seven cards, decided he was going to keep... Uh, played a goblin guide, attacked, marked my life as 18, and then left to go talk to dad before I was done sideboarding. Like, he just, like, is super excited. And, uh, <laughs> it was just, like, almost soul-crushing, like, to almost lose to this seven-year-old prodigy of magic, who, his father is Galen, who I've talked about before on this cast, who is, like, my nemesis. Uh, and so, like, that was bad enough, and I'd already lost to Galen earlier in the day, so I played cross control, I think I played, in the first round I played against, uh, what did I play against, like a Cobblade type variant, I believe, in the second round I played against that Birthing Pod deck, uh, I played against Max, who was playing Boros, and then I played against this big red deck that Galen was playing, which is actually really cool, I don't know, I've seen it online a couple times, I don't know if Jesse ever has, where it plays basically, um... Like, it plays, like, Eurobrask, and it plays Titans, and Chalices, and Tumble Magnets, and stuff like that, and it, and Burn. And then, uh, it just kind of, like, it, like, a turn two, or I mean, a, sorry, a turn three or a turn four, uh, Eurobrask is just backbreaking against almost any deck. And then to follow that up with a Inferno Titan is just bonkers. And that was the deck that I lost to, so, I mean, game day was fun. Uh, the Tabor guys came back up. And we had a good time. Uh, I, I was kind of disappointed in the prizing. Um, you know, Mir Superion from, an, like, a, I don't know what the word is. Like, it's a really well-designed card, I guess. It's very flavorful. It's very, it fits the story of the block. I wasn't happy about it, though. Like, you guys know that it was, like, it's the full art foil, like, promo, right? Right. And, like, to go from Black Sun Zenith to Mir Superion... <laughs> like that's pretty disappointing, and then like the sh the card that you got for just showing up to play was Priest of Eurobrask, which I was more happy to get than I was to get Mere Superion. So, you know, there was like 15 people or 16 people that showed up, and uh, and yeah, so I mean it was fun. I had a good time. Whatever. 
Game game days are light. Game days are fun. But I played. I mean, like I played Cross Control. I played it because I knew it was going to be. I wanted to test it out more and get back into playing F and M since the last cast. I said I kind of got scooped out of the format from Cobblade, so I want to kind of get back into playing Magic again because I kind of am getting bored of everybody whining about Silvos. I realize that my Silvos deck seems to be the Cobblade of EDH. <laughs> It's awesome. <laughs> oh man, like when you crushed with it at Christmas, it's become so much better than that. So, <laughs> so. Oh, good memories where we uh, just destroyed Smitty from the get go. <laughs> he was like so mad. He was out of that game in like five minutes. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like how he sounded mad, but not mad. That made like that made me yeah. want to kill him so bad. <laughs> so bad. You guys! <laughs> what are you doing? This is out of control. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so I don't know, okay, time, whatever. Sounds good, I mean. We'll see, like, you're getting back into uh, Type 2 when, when a ban may or may not happen, so. Yeah. You know. Well, hopefully that's, that's the best time to get back in, hopefully, because then it means at least it'll be fresh, right? I think if they make the right ban decisions, and I don't know what that is, whether it's banning... Well, okay, Jesse does, but like regardless of what it is, as long as they make the right one, hopefully that'll just stimulate the the Type Two community until at least Jace rotates, right? Yeah, I'm gonna fucking play EDH for uh, four months or so, and unless they uh, ban some coverage. Well, it's, it's easy now that Commander came out. Now you'll have at least some Dirtles to prey on. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to this weekend. It's gonna be fun. I'm, I'm gonna pick up a uh, Counter Punch for some cards for my Green White Black tokens. EDH. <laughs> Are you guys, have you guys seen the, the pre, or the pre-buy fucking prices on some of these singles? That's weird, yeah, because it's so a lot of local shops are selling them for MSRP. Have you, like, so, I don't know if you guys have seen on Twitter, but like my local game store, uh, I, they said that they've gotten 20% of what they ordered from Wizards. Ugh. I think that's like, I can't understand that. I think that's like the worst business practice ever, and I'm really actually mad at Wizards if this is true. Like, it's not the first time we've seen this, but, you know, where it's like, they, they spend months and months and months and months and months, like, doing promos and getting us all boners. You know, and then they put out 10, you know, percent of what people are ordering, and then, like, at my local store, for example, uh, there were some people that did some pre-orders, and then because they only got 20%, it means that there will be five decks for sale tomorrow total, one of each. Ah, uh, that's bullshit. And like, so for the people, like, like for me, like it's not a big deal for me because I don't want to buy the decks anyway. I just want some of the new cards. Uh, I'd buy them if I had to to get the new cards, whatever. But like, what about all these people that like these products are actually made for? To get people into the game. And like now my new store is gonna get five people into the game, maybe? Yeah. And, like, and who, what's to say that I don't just show up, I'm the first guy in line at 10.30 and I just buy all five of them? Right? And then like some, yeah, know that. you know, yeah. some, some ten year old kid who wanted to come and buy them with his dad, like, can't. <laughs> From what like, I understand, stores get a product based on their volume. Like, it, how much they've ordered and how many uh, players they get and such. Well, like, I was under the impression that that was only for promo cards. Uh, I know because I know uh, one of our local shops gets um gets like a limited amount of 
paces and stuff depending on their pre-release. Yeah. And it yeah. just depends on the, you know, how much, how many tournaments and the size of the tournaments and, uh, product in the past, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's based on a few things. Right. Because I think it goes to, uh, distribution centers and, like, so I think there's, like, uh, from Wizards to distribution centers to local game shops. Yeah. So, I mean, like, in Calgary, there's uh, two stores that I can think of that are the main ones. Uh, this one and then the Sentry Box. And then there's a couple of other stores that are very, very small in comparison. So if these guys are getting 20% of what they ordered, I don't know what the other stores are getting. Sure, yeah. No, and, and it might not be based solely on that or that at all. Yeah. I'm just saying it could be. I don't know. It just it just sucks. And like, I don't know why they would do that. Like, it's almost like they're... And, like, it's not like they wouldn't sell them if they printed more, right? Like, it's Wizards. It's not like I'm trying to print T-shirts in my basement that for the A-team, and I have to charge almost what I'm paying for and make no money on them, right? Like, yeah. if Wizards made a million of these decks so that every single Magic player in the entire world could get five of them, they'd sell them all. Guaranteed. Yeah. So, Absolutely. like, I don't know I don't know why they wouldn't. Uh, yeah, it's it's really strange, but it's just frustrating. Uh, and then you look is. at like, and then you look at Star City Games, and all the all the Commander singles, whether they're good or not, are all like twenty dollars, twelve dollars, six dollars, and it's just like holy fuck! Like, if I want to buy just all of the new cards only, it costs me more than if I just buy the all of the decks together. Yeah, you know, so. I mean, I, I hope this weekend is fun, and I hope that I can participate in the Commander launch party. I guess I might have to just watch it and live tweet it, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that'll be pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm sad, because uh, I don't know what episode we started talking about this, but uh, I, uh, our listeners would know I was really looking forward to this. Yeah. So. Um, hopefully I'll get my hands on one. And, uh, well, and then, you know, I mean, I, I look at some tweets from, uh, for example, this guy, from Ragnar, who's in Australia. He got 55 decks. What the? F so what is he? He's like the only store in Australia? <laughs> right, for him to get 55 and for my store to get five? I mean, and let's be reasonable. I'm speculating here. Like, I have no idea what the, you know, why he did and why we didn't. I'm just yeah, being yeah. sour, sour about it. It's just, it's just when you see distribution like that, that's not even close to even, it just can get upsetting, especially when, you know, they're just hyping the shit out of this. You yeah. Know? And that's what happened with Plane Chase. Like, you know, had they not hyped Plane Chase or fucking, Gay arch enemy, G bomb arch enemy. Then you know what? I wouldn't, I wouldn't care that they're not supporting it. It was the fact that they are, they act so excited. They, they're like E3. All they do is say buzzwords and fucking. You wanted commander? Well, we brought you commander. <laughs> oh, and you wanted some new cards? Well, guess what, America? There's three generals in each deck, and they're gonna be foil. <laughs> and then it's like, but five of you can have them. Dude, speaking of uh, foils, um, Duels of the Planeswalkers 2012 has foil cards. Hella sick. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> Gotta get them all. So let's talk about bannings really quick. Sure. What do you guys think? I am going with Stoneforge Mystic. I don't want to say Jace, but I think it's possible. But I'm going to say Stoneforge Mystic and Volokut get banned. 
I'm going <laughs> like people stopped the Malaku train. I still think it's a problem. Like as soon as they uh, get rid of Stoneforge Mystic, you either have to have a million counters in your deck, or you're gonna lose to Volaku. It's as simple as that. You can't hard cast uh, uh, these swords and beat Volaku. It's way too slow. What's the What's the question? What you think should be banned, or what you think? No, what, will, what do you think be. actually is gonna be banned? Because like what? There's should no be way. And should be obvious. Right. I think you're a strong proponent of Volaku, and you have. Uh, your, your good arguments that I I, I can see uh, the point, but like I can't expect wizards to ban Valakud. No, me neither. But the thing is, it's a safe banning because it's it, it's, it a is. Band that's not being used right now. It's like a fifty cent card. It is, but but the fact is that they're not going to ban a card that nobody's using right now. But the problem is, if they ban Stoneforge Mystic, it'll be all over again. In it'll theory, just in theory, the meta game to what it was. It, yeah, in theory, yeah, but but they don't think theory. about that. But they don't think it about isn't, that. Yeah, I think they they do. Come on, they're hella smart. Look at the game they made. <laughs> Come on, they're hella smart. Come on. <laughs> Come on, bitches. Come on. Come on, you're getting out of control here. I'll put I'll put a ninety five percent on Stoneforge Mystic and about seventy percent that they ban Volaku. I'm going with those two. So this comes out Sunday night. We shall see in the morning, motherfuckers. And if I'm right, I'll I'll Anthony Weiner it and put my dick on Twitter and you all can suck it. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, so nasty. Oh. Uh, Jay, you want to go next? Because I'm I'm still trying to think a bit. Um, I'm passionate about it because I'm seeing ridiculous drop-offs in tournaments, um, especially even on Moto. I can't even see eight mans firing right now, and it's driving me nuts. I I log on, I have like two hours. I can usually fit in an eight man, but nope. Um, fucking the cobblage is like pushing people out of Magic. It really does feel like that, so. They will ban something. So I think about a few weeks ago, I think I, I still thought that they weren't going to ban anything, but to see Aaron Forsyth say that this is uh, the worst job they've done since Meriden, to see attendance actually uh, be affected and be lower, uh, getting to, uh, like decreasing, I mean, that's definitely a concern for Wizards. Um, I'm Obviously, banning cards is not a good thing either. Um, I don't want to... Like, you never want to invest in a game where you, you put your money into cards and, and like, they're not... They're no longer going to be useful. Like, what the heck? But, uh... If there's going to be a banning, I think it's going to be, uh... It's going to be Stoneforge. But, uh... The, let me ask you this, too, also. So, if they just banned Stoneforge Mystic, it would nullify, like... Boros wouldn't exist for... Like, for sure. Um, any type of Stoneforge Iron deck wouldn't exist. Cobblade would only get, like, slightly worse. <laughs> I mean, it, Cobblade started as four Squadron Hawks. Yeah! <laughs> and a bunch of spells. And it was dominant then. It won Worlds with just Squadron Hawks. It'll still be a deck. Like, just banning Stoneforge Mystic is It didn't not win Worlds, enough. though. I gotta correct you, Jesse. You didn't win in Worlds. It wasn't that dominant then. Kibler and Nelson first introduced the deck. I played it since then, since forever. But uh, Blue Black took that tournament by storm. It was oh, only no, until no, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Of right. course, you're right. Yeah, my bad. I, I'm thinking Paris, right? But right. Stoneforge was in it at that point. 
with Sword of Feast and Famine, that really right. pushed it over the top. And yeah. um, but I, I have the same argument. Like I can't really tell you. I haven't really looked at this. I'm going to say Stoneforge is the obvious card in my mind, but even then, I'm not a hundred percent sure as of my choice. Uh, my opinion is the same than Drew Levin when you talked about Valakut. I think if you ban Stoneforge. I would just 100% play Splinter Twin and win, I think. Uh, I I, completely disagree with people who think Splinter Twin would be nearly as dominant. It wouldn't even be close, in my opinion. Cobblade is a deck that you can't just hate out. It's similar to Volokut. You just can't. There's no easy way to hate it out. It's even harder to hate out than Volokut is because it's got so many angles. And uh, Splinter Twin is an obvious strategy. It can attack you with two strategies, depending on like what list you're playing, sure. But there, we have Dismembers, we got like Nature's Claims, we got Spell Skies, okay. we got Follows, we got so much hate that people would be ready for it, and that deck can have daggers played against it. And that deck actually struggles heavily game one against any sort of aggro deck. That's interesting. So your argument is that the metagame can adjust and adapt more against if Splinter Twin were ever to be the dominant deck Absolutely. better than the other decks. Okay. That's, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I think the key there, okay. though, is because um, Cobblade is a, is a card advantage machine, and Splinter Twin is a combo machine. And it's always, always, always going to be easier to hate out combo decks than it is to hate out you know, decks where you can just preordain into preordain into free batter skull into infinite life into fucking Jace and Gideon and you know what I mean? And right. I think I think that's what where Jesse's point kinda has a little bit of truth to it is just that like I mean, if you really wanted to, you could just play a deck like a bl- like a blue, black, red deck that only has removal and grave titans as win conditions. And you know, I mean, you'll never ever have a problem with that with a combo deck because you know you either kill it or you counter it or you kill it, right? I'm not saying it'd be bad. It wouldn't be near Cobblade's numbers. No deck yeah. for the next yeah. decade is going to be near Cobblade's numbers. Well, that's a little bit extreme, but at least for the next <laughs> at least for the next little bit. Well, I mean, it's the best deck probably ever in Magic. So uh, I, I think Mike Flores probably would disagree with you, but I think that it's one of the most dominant decks in the well, last little while. No, Mike Flores, uh, I think, did say that. He what? just thinks he really. Yeah, yeah. Aren't I right, KYT? Haven't you heard of that? I think you might have taken a step out to the bathroom, but uh, <laughs> no, Mike Flores uh, did say like he likes the format because it's skill intensive and et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. uh, I'm pretty sure he stated that it was it, he mm. he agrees that it's the best deck ever. Well, that's it, in so. in a standard environment. It, yeah. Actually, I I don't I I could be wrong. He might have said it for like all of Magic, but I I'm pretty safe to say that I think he said it was the best standard deck ever. That's crazy. That's yeah, crazy. yeah. So Cobblade's a menace, but uh, I'm I'm really excited for Monday. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, KWT, oh. are you back? I'm back. I Did, did you hear I'm me? Ch- did Flores say that uh, he thought Cobblade was the best deck ever? Yeah, he... Well, yeah. It's a best standard deck ever, I think. Ever. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Ever. 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 Really? <laughs> wow, yeah. that's so crazy. But for, but for different reasons, though. Not because... It's the strongest, but he feels like the same reason I like it. Like in mirrors, uh, there's a, it's quite skill intensive, and he feels the reason why we keep seeing the same players do well. I mean, you, magic isn't about that. You want that 
uh, a percentage of luck to actually uh, play through, right? But, I mean, the, the fact that we're seeing all these big names constantly, the same names do well, is the fact that it's it's uh, there's a lot of skill to that, and, and he loves that aspect of the deck. Like, when he says best, because obviously he thinks Splinter Twin is the best now, uh, he, there's many reasons why he, he thinks it's the best. Right. I mean, but Splinter Twin's the best, I think, in, like, in the standard, uh, in the current standard environment, but I don't know, like, if it was the dominant deck, if he'd agree that it was the best deck. It might be, because it would need to be hated out, so whatever, but anyways, Cowboys a Menace, Stoneforge is going to go, it needs to go, uh, but something else needs to go alongside of it. Banning Stoneforge isn't going to be enough. I changed my mind. I think I'd, I just want to see them possibly ban just Jace, I think. Um, what? I'm... No, you, there's one other problem with that, too. Okay, I, I agree. Like, if they just ban Jace, the format would... It would definitely make it uh, more reasonable. I think just banning Jace, I could... Like, as a deck builder, I could attack Cobblade much easier... Uh, just because they wouldn't have that ridiculous, powerful card at the four drop. They just run like something like a Mirror Angel or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think I could agree with that, but, uh, Stoneford decks will just still dominate standard all over. Like, Jerry posted the black whitelist, I've been testing it. It's a very, very powerful deck. Um, and Dark Tutelage kind of takes Jace's place, and it plays out very similarly to Cobblade, as well as like pretty, pretty much the same dominance level, like close to at least. I, I gotta play more games with it, but uh, I think just banning Jace would do more than just banning Stoneforge, but like I said, I think more than one thing has to go, and Planeswalkers are their game now, uh, more so than anything else, so I think a Planeswalker ban uh, is mostly out of the question. I think it's slight, there's a slight chance. Yeah, I just don't want to not play my batter skulls anymore. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean, I just started, so... Yeah, I, I um. can't remember what Aaron Forsythe was saying about... They missed Splinter Twin pest, or uh, Splinter Twin X-Art combo. Um, I can't remember. I, he said he... I, I'm pretty sure they said that, like, they obviously didn't miss the batter skull Stoneforge combo, so I don't know how that got through. How, how could they miss Splinter Twin... Um, Exarch, when Splinter Twin Pestermite was a combo and extended. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't get I, I, I question how much they test. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> they I need Smitty in there. It's not a shot. Yeah, actually, shit, I'd do it. <laughs> hook, hook me up with a job over there. That'd be the bomb. But anyways, I mean, they, they only have so many people to play, right? I mean, because they can't get beta testers in. It's just way yeah, too the other thing is, like, if you think about it, my playtest group, you know, when Splinter Twin and Exarch came out, nobody talked about it until it was a deck. I mean, nobody talked about it to me. I'm sure that somebody's going to say they knew about it before anybody else. But when you think about that, like, I mean, like, when was the last time any of the Magic players, like, I, I just question, and not rudely, I just don't know, but, like, how relevant are they in play experience, right? Like, how... Like, being out of the circuit, like, they're not allowed to play FNMs, they're not allowed to play, you know, anything competitive at all, like, so, when you're out of the game that much, and you're playing in, a like, a singleton group, it's very difficult to innovate sometimes, because, yeah. 
you know, you, that's why when you have a playgroup, you need to be having new people, even if they're bad, right? You need to have new people because they'll come up with new ideas and, you know, I feel that discounting their ideas is probably the worst thing you can do when you're trying to build a new deck and play test. And, I mean, honestly, maybe that's what's happening in the FFL, right? Like, well, and if it's the same eight guys over and over again, like, how much... Right. And here's you can't where we fault queue, them for missing that stuff. Here's where we queue off to uh, hire Patrick Chapin in there now. <laughs> Chapin's working towards it, and uh, he, he's got to get there, man. But anyways, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's only so many... Um, not, not all of them are great players, at least from what I see. I mean, the community, by the way, is whooping ass on Wizards in the Community Cup right now. Um, but they do have some guys in R&D and Wizards in general that used to be on the Pro Tour and such. So it's not like they're like just all bad players or whatever. No, uh, not at all. But you're right. I mean, they don't have enough quality players testing out these ideas, I don't think. And, and the other and, thing... But go ahead, go ahead. In all the, in like a million percent credit to them, I mean, look, I, since I started, nothing's been a problem. Magic's been fantastic. This is the first problem I've seen, and it's the first problem since what? Just the last Mirrodin, which was a long time ago. So, they do an amazing job. Yeah, and I'm I mean, not the other, discredit them. no, not at all. And I think, I think the other thing is, you know, when they're testing cards, like, how close to being finished are those cards? And, you know, when they're testing them, they're not testing them to win. Right? There's no prize. There's no PTQ. There's no SCG open. You know, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're testing them to make sure that they're not broken. They're testing them to see if this card works at 4 CMC and as a 2-1 instead of a 2-2 and things yeah. like that, right? So. And flavor. I mean, yeah, and flavor. And, and I'm sure that yes, they do test the cards once they're finished. But, I mean, how many days or months or weeks are in between those test sessions and, you know, these guys are kooky, you know, Noel de Cordova type motherfuckers, you know. Like, <laughs> well, you know, yeah, like, that's the, the thing is they're pumping out sets every three months. So even though they're two years, three years ahead, probably just for safety net, they're still having to pump out two or three sets or, yeah. you know, every three months, which they got to, that's from scratch. And that's the thing, months. like, it's, that's, I mean, and the thing is, like, it's really difficult. Like, if you look at Jerry T or KYT playing Cobblade, like, I'm sure that you still learn things about the interactions between the deck, and you're still trying to improve, and maybe not as much as when you first started, but, you know, I mean, there, you don't, no one knows everything about Magic, and, and that's apparent just every single tournament there is, there's always some change to a deck list, right? Whether it's three of a card down to two or up to four or whatever, but the thing is, like, these these guys in R&D, they don't get that luxury, right? And the thing is, like, I don't know if this is true, but as far as I understand it, too, sometimes you don't even get to test the same cards, right? Like, sometimes Smitty gets, you know, Smitty, you always get to test your decks. But what if you didn't have that luxury and you just had to pick up a deck every Friday and try it once? Right. right? Like, how, and like, that's the thing, is, like, maybe this is why... They're not seeing this because maybe Noel de Cordova didn't build the deck that was, you know, fucking good. <laughs> you love Cordova, dude. He's the bomb. <laughs> I can't handle that guy. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah, no, I hear you. Guess I'll start talking about my weekend and we can wrap up the show. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, hit up so, that for sure. So my weekend. Um, I mean, first of all, I, I was just I shipped. Uh, Jerry, uh, what I thought was going to be playing, uh, I don't know if how 
relevant as Callblade's strategy is because it, it might be gone. But uh, you know, we I checked his uh, comments in his forum. He, he he talked about maybe not even needing Feast of Famine, maybe even needing just just having two copies of Sword of War and Peace because it's so good in the mirror. And yeah. um, and because everybody's packing divine offerings, you might want a second copy. So I shipped him a list. He, he uh, emailed me back, and we discussed a bit. He talked about how maybe mental misstep, which is in his list, is not that good in the metagame if we're not seeing any of these black-based discard control decks or, or you know decks that have Inquisition or, or whatnot. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. Though my my local metagame was was more random, so if I could do a do over, I definitely would play mental missteps in my Callblade list, um, oh. maybe even up to four. Um, we're, we're talking about it being good against vampires, against Boros when you really uh, need the the mental misstep to protect your Stoneforge Eater from Lightning Bolt or an early Step Blink start. You know, I've I've been really happy with mental misstep gladly take the two life to do that. Um, and he talked about perhaps bringing back Spell Pierce and uh, into the Royal and maybe Gitaxian Probe against like Splinter Twin because he wasn't sold on the Spell Skites. And so I took some of that advice and, and did my own list. Went uh, six two in the main event. Um, obviously, okay. still love. Yeah, I finished tenth for seventy five bucks. Nice. Um, well, for X two, I wasn't gonna make top eight anyways. But for Cobbly in the future, I think I definitely want four mental missteps somewhere in the 75. I mean, they're not terrible in the mirror, and sometimes I don't know how relevant they are against a Birthing Bot deck. Probably not that relevant, but uh, I guess most decks in the meta game that I play, I mean, uh, the worst you can counter with it is like Preordain or, or an opposing Spell Pierce. It's not too bad. Yeah, that so. seems solid. Those are great cards to counter for free. Right, so... And uh, I, I really wanted it to protect my lightning ball. I mean, I multi four and would have gotten there if I had a mental misstep uh, to protect my stone forge against a, a lightning bolt. Um, so the rest of the weekend, it was in Ottawa. It's like the biggest. I feel it's like probably the biggest Canadian ev- uh, independent event that I've been at since I started the game. Um, How many people showed up? Not enough. Not enough. I mean, uh, I think the main event we had. 129. That's good. That's a lot. We were hoping for probably 200 plus, but there were like 200, 300, probably 300 people in the room, but they they were more casual. I guess they were more interested in drafting or doing the winner boxes on the side. There were a lot of people or maybe getting their cards altered, but as far as the main event was concerned, you know, 129 was not hitting. Uh, a target that I guess the organizer had set, but it was a reasonable amount because Ottawa isn't, um, it's not Toronto or Montreal. It's like the smaller of the, of, in terms of magic market. Sure. But it was where the Ottawa centers play. Like, it's like not in the freaking convention center at all. It was like, you know, the hockey, like where the ice surface is supposed to be. So it was like a huge area. It looked great. Um, we had issues with the coverage because the the table was set up in such a way that we were, I mean, it happened on SCG Live where Joey and Joe sort of had to whisper, like near the top eight where it was right. like Sunday night. Close. But we were like right next to them. I'm like, 
um, this isn't gonna work. And like, what are we gonna say? <laughs> he does this. We're gonna clarify what what's on the screen. Yeah. That's that's not what people want. That just invites hate from all these trolls. And so, um, you did good though. The coverage you did for the first time it was it was it was good. Like the split camera on the faces and everything you had too. Yeah. Well. I was told that, uh, I mean, we had to compete against Proto Nagoya, which was funny because they were, like, different time zones. I don't think we had to compete with them directly, but we also had to yeah. compete with S- SCG Live, which obviously had Patrick Chapin, so why would you miss that? Um, <laughs> but happy to say that, you know, a lot of people tweeted that our video quality was higher than SCG Live, and, and that was a huge compliment to our crew that set up for the first time ever, and we had ran into hundreds of uh, technical difficulties while I was playing in the main event. Like, the the first plan was for me not to play and commentate throughout, but there were so many tech issues. I decided to play, see, see where it went, and decided to commentate the top eight and uh, the rest of the day on, the whole day on Sunday. And... Uh, Anti, early anti-shouts to those who said that they wouldn't have time to check out our feed. I mean, like, I know we're competing against Chapin, but, like, for those of you who actually took the time to check us out, like, just to see even for a few minutes, huge shout-outs to you guys. I mean, um, definitely if I was home, you know, I'd be really tempted to watch and see what Chapin had to say. Uh, but we brought uh, a totally different style, and I was happy about that. We... Me, whether it be Rob Anderson in the booth for me or Alex Hain, we just completely tore and bashed players for their misplays. And uh, trolls who hated commentators on other feeds that miss misplays or, or don't know what they're talking about, I think would really appreciate our style, what we brought to the table. And it was really enjoyable. It was a lot more enjoyable than I thought. Like, you know, I'd, I thought I would much rather play, but commentating has its... Has its own perks, I think. Yeah, that's awesome. I want to commentate someday. <laughs> I mean, this should get us. I mean, me and you would be a funny combo. That would um, be great, dude. Someday, someday, <laughs> we'll both get together. So the maximum people amount of people that uh, watched us was roughly seventy, which for first time out, huge. So right on. thank you to you guys. And right. I think the only thing I want to talk about was like. It's going to be hard for me to see where this goes from here in terms of independently run uh, Canadian events. We're, like, we're trying to make SCG Live Canada, Canadian edition, but uh, we don't have the same budget, and um, I don't know what's going to happen. It's it's going to be hard. we got to grow the game at all our local stores and, and try to support this Canadian Magic Tour because it's going to be coming in Montreal, uh, during Canada Day weekend, and um, like every event is organized by a different store owner, so it doesn't have that like what do I say uniformness of right. like the SCG live thing. Like you have one website, you have everything set up, so there's a lot of difficulties. But I don't know. We'll see what happens. I hope it's one step in the direction. And I'll help them any way that they can. For all you Canadian listeners, you should just uh, show up at an event, and that will really help us out and motivate these organizers to do more. And I hope there's one in Calgary someday. <laughs> yeah. I mean, There's always a place know. for everybody to stay, too, if anybody wants to come out here. 
I, I saw on magic.tcgplayer.com that uh, Calgary had a PTQ recently. Like, <laughs> yeah, did you go, Jay? I forgot. No, I didn't. Oh, motherfucker! I should slap a bitch. Like I think, I think the thing is, even if I do get back into competitive, or I mean, type two magic or whatever, like I think I probably will just until and like I, again without knowing what happens to Cobblade, I just even even Cobbly players are expressing to me that they're not excited about the PTQ. Because well, I love because it. Of, because of playing like seven, <laughs> seven cobbled mirror matches, and to me, Bring it. like, but the thing, the thing to me is just like that. If it's not fun, then I don't want to do it, right? Like, yeah, yeah. right, right. It'd right. be different if it was fun. If if playing the mirror match was fun, and like when I was at the TCG player and I had to play four Boros mirror matches, I had a great time the entire time, and so and I made sure the person across from me did too. But I don't think I've ever seen anyone have a good time playing Cobblade. Like, they're always just, like, stressed and having to make the best play, and they have their arms crossed, and they're always just, like, yeah. sighing and just, like, ah. You're a casual uh, player anyways, though. I mean, yeah, and so it's just like, I don't you know, blame you at all. I, I want to be, I want to be, it's difficult. I don't know how to get my brain to make that, to make like, that switch, to go from wanting to have fun and win to go to just, no right. matter no matter what, I win. If I have to cut my dick off, to play seven Cobblade mirrors and win this PTQ, I will. But I'm not willing to do that yet. Do you ever want to make it to the Pro Tour? Well, I think, realistically, I probably will never make it to the Pro Tour. I'd love to, but I think right now I just, I don't have, uh, I don't know, like I don't, I mean, I don't want to blame anybody else. I mean, everybody's got their own problems, but I mean, I don't know, I don't have play groups to test with. I don't know who to test with. I don't know... You know, I don't. I think. I think it's. It's just like anything else. You know, I want to be a pro hockey player, but you know, the trend is those. The like fewer and fewer good p- kids are getting there because of the cost of hockey in Canada, right? And I think it's the same with Magic. It's, you know, I'm. I mean, I'm. I think I might possess the ability to become a really good player if I could get at it enough. But right. in order to do that, I need to be constantly playing with players that are better than me and play testing and doing deck techs and not just doing like. FNMs and not just doing janky homebrew tests and you know and I just don't right now I don't have that like the people that I want to test with we all have real lives we all have jobs and and shit and so like you know as far as I know anyway like we can only test a, a certain like a limited amount of time and if that doesn't work out for everybody then it's difficult right so I think, you know, I, I'd love to make it to the Pro Tour. I'd love to start playing at PTQs or SCG Opens or, like, I'd love to play more competitively. But I think just right now, without without taking that step to practice more, like, as if it was a sport, um, I just, it's not realistic for me to spend the money to go all over the place and play and not, and just, con- like, constantly go four or three, right? Or, right. wor- or worse, right? Like, that's the thing. Like, it's a lot of money to go to these tournaments, and if I'm not going to do very well and at least have fun, then, like, what's the point? And mm-hmm. I think, just like any sport, like, you can't, I can't expect myself to be good at even beer league hockey if I'm not going to get out and skate when it's not a game <laughs> time every once in a while, right? And, it's, it, you know what I mean? Like, it's the same with magic. It's like, if I'm not going to go and practice, at, like, I mean, gold fishing is fine for f- no, actually, it isn't. I was, I was trying to figure out a way that goldfishing could be useful, but it's actually never useful ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> so like, so like, 
I mean, you can only play with the same one or two people or play on Moto against the trolls and the f- worst decks ever and the bad shuffler that just always mana screws you. Like, you know, I'd love to have a group of like 10 or 12 players that every single, say, f- Tuesday or Friday, we could get together and run like an SCG open like a practice run, right? And like make and do like a do like a playtest session, which I'm sure is what Jesse does, right? Like correct me if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. yep. you don't just you don't just sit around and like do fuck all and play against jank, <laughs> janky homebrew decks, right? Like, no, you, no, I test for reals. <laughs> you know, and like that's what I'd love to do. I just unfortunately right now I just I haven't found I haven't found the right amount of people to do so. Well, it's a shame. Yeah, it's all right. Whatever. Magic game where I just play fucking I just play Commander, that's all. Yeah. Just crush crush people with silvers. That's all you need to do. Play you. So on the shout outs, fellas. Yep. Yeah. Go ahead. Um I'll go ahead and uh start um so Cloud Scraper, like I mentioned earlier, for uh pimping the angles deck and rocking it, you know. if you play my decks and you like them, you might get a shout out. Uh, but honestly, shout out to, uh, Matthias Hunt for hitting level four pro, doing well, runner up in rookie of the year right now. Um, so a solid job. Matt finished really well in both Singapore and the pro tour. So a, uh, another shout out to Matt. Matt Mar, Matt Mar plug. Matt Mar plug. And, uh, gotta give a shout out once more to the wife, the wife plug for, uh, hooking up a good birthday. Wife plug. Oh, how was that? It was good. She did good. Do? She came to my work and she brought me a uh, a new plant for my office and a nice little stand oh, for it. Oh, and oh. Uh, she bought me a video game and you know life is good. Did Battlefield you... Bad Company two for PC because my buddies were playing it. So oh right on. Yeah, I decided that I'd rock it and she hooked it up. Right on, right on. So, wife plug, she's the best. And uh big shout-out to Scotty Mack. We miss you this episode, brother, and congratulations on your new baby girl, Lily. Lily. What was her full name? Um, I'm sorry, I don't know. I think it's like, isn't it like <laughs> Lily Ann Elizabeth McCallum? It's Lily Ann. Dude, he like straight I thought it was. copied uh, David Williams, Liliana. <laughs> For his baby girl. Well, <laughs> I'm like, I, this, I could be wrong, but didn't he say that he wanted to name his kid after a magic card, Liliana? And then he said that, uh, David did. The po- no, 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 Scotty did. And then, and then he said that, um, Alana wouldn't let him. Oh, right, right. Yeah. So, so maybe, like so maybe this is how he got around it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. He trolled his wife. He trolled his wife. <laughs> Good middle name. Yeah. And then uh let's just hyphen it with an A, Lily and uh and uh yeah. then we'll use our last name. Rock on. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. So yeah, congrats to Scotty Mac. Yeah. I guess I'll go next because sure. Jesse's done. Uh huge shout outs to Dad, obviously. Um really miss the guy, uh always makes me laugh on the cast. well obviously all, all three of you do. Um uh, shout out to anybody who helped out at, at uh, the Canadian Magic Tour, Dave Tellier, JSP, um, the rest of you, you know, I, Jillian Morgan, um, but the rest of you, I just blank out because <laughs> there's just too many names and too many people that, that helped out all the judges. I mean, I can't 
really picture myself ever be motivated enough to judge an event. So for you guys who are actually, you know, that like to judge, you know, thank you so much for, for being a judge. Um, shouts to all the comments that, that were made on Manda Prime 93. And, uh, we're obviously not going to top it with this episode, but, uh, we'll try. Huge shoutouts to Don, uh, the guest that we just had. I thought he was a lot funnier than, than, I think if there wasn't the delay, <laughs> it would have been a lot more enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, Hopefully Kyle can clean that up. Yeah. <laughs> the behoover. So, so pre shout out to, for cleaning up Don the behoovers, <laughs> uh, interview. <laughs> I think I'm done. I I wonder if I, I'm gonna call my kid Jay someday. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> Go ahead, Jay. Sure, sure. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to uh, KYT for doing the whole Canadian Magic Tour thing. If it takes off, uh, I, I mean, I don't have a doubt that it will. So when it takes off, uh, I think that um, it'll be it'll be great, and I can't wait for it to come to Calgary. Although it'll be sad that I won't get to play in it because I'll be commentating. So there's that. And uh, shout out to Jesse. We gave you a big birthday shout-out on Public Enemies Episode 2, so I uh, just wanted to do that here because we missed it last week. So happy birthday, bro. I hope that you uh, enjoyed it. And uh, obviously shout-outs to, to Dad and, for bringing us a new sister. And I uh, hope all that's going on really good. wanted to give a shout-out just to really quickly to uh, uh, Tangent. who like Let's be reasonable here. I don't even know that guy's fucking name. And it can't, like, it can't be tangent, right? Like, yeah. it might be. Like, is this I met him in Portland, but I so did not calling. No, me neither. But then I, I'm like, no, pretty, that's awesome. I'm pretty sure that when he introduced himself to me in Portland, he didn't say tangent. Because when I was talking to him on Twitter shortly after that, I was kind of like, who the fuck is this guy? And he's like, hey, it's tangent. We met in Portland. And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, I, I have no idea what this fucking guy's name is, so shout out to Tangent. Um, I don't know, man. It could be. I like, think it could be. It's a I pretty cool it name. I hope it is. I hope he was one of those those kids named, like, Apple and Tangent and fucking Pilot <laughs> Inspector and shit. But uh, you never hear Tangent. Like. No, no, you don't. Yeah, so so shout out to him and Jeebs for uh, um, starting up this Public Enemies podcast with me. It was, it was all Tangent's idea. And uh, it's getting pretty okay slash good reviews, so um, I'm I'm actually pleasantly surprised and, and having fun. And uh, I just wanted to give some shout outs to some uh, Saskatchewan uh, butt cheeks. Uh, they're some really big fans of our podcast, and they're suffering through the wasteland that is Saskatoon. So uh, it's Matthew Dubow and Andrew Boa. Uh, they just keep harassing Cody Crossman to. Uh, you know, give us some shout-outs, and, you know, they got their wish come true. So uh, just thanks for listening to us, everybody, and uh, really, really appreciate it. And, again, I just wanted to touch on last week's episode. Uh, just really appreciate all of the discussion, even though it got a little bit heated, the 93 comments. I think that uh, the biggest thing is just that we were talking about it. So um, I really wanted to shout out to some of the people on there. I won't make any names, but uh, uh I think everybody was just at least at least that you were discussing it is is good enough for me. I said I wouldn't comment on it anymore, so I won't. But uh I just wanted to, you know, say thanks to everybody who at least voiced their opinion. Sounds good. Yeah. And on Monday, Band Stoneforge Mystic. 
Pentafarge. <laughs> I don't mind playing Valkut again. I have it already built, so. Yeah, fuck you and Valkut. Alright, well, um, as we always say, Spell Sky. Alright, have a good one, guys. See you later. Bye. <laughs> KYT, why are you laughing? The delay is killing this guy. Sorry, Don. <laughs> we can edit all the delays uh, and stuff out, but. <laughs> We should, it's we like, should it's, have tested this more thoroughly before yeah. we started. I don't know what causes delays on Skype, but it's like three full seconds. Maybe yeah. it's not a delay. Maybe it's just Don. <laughs> Maybe she's just fucking with us. Yeah, he needs to take his time to answer <laughs> questions to the Here. best of his ability. Uh, Don, maybe just try to disconnect and reconnect or something. It's doable if once we get it. I can it, certainly but, do that. Let me give it a shot. Yeah, yeah. It's worth a shot. All right. <laughs> All right, hold on. Let's see. <laughs> it was so awkward. <laughs> So what do you think? It's like... So... I. <laughs> it's so funny, it's like, when you watch those newscasts and it's like, you know, Alright, we're gonna go to Tom out there in the uh, in the field. What, what's it look like out there, Tom? And it's just like, Hi, Bob? <laughs> oh, yes, it's quite wet out there, it's just... Alright, I'm back. Okay, let's... Let's, let's test this done. I signed back in, let's see. Any any anything better? Can you count to ten? Sure. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And for the record, I started counting right after you asked. Alright, huh. yeah, there's still delay then. Yeah, alright. We'll continue. Um <laughs> Alright, Kyle, just edit all that out. Sorry. Where were we? <laughs> well I think that